This is TSC Now, a podcast by the Tuber Sclerosis Alliance. Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of TSC Now. As always, I'm your host, Dan Klein. Today, we're talking about TSC-associated neuropsychiatric disorders, otherwise known as TAND. TAND refers to a whole spectrum of neurological manifestations of TSC, including aggressive behaviors, autism spectrum disorder, intellectual disabilities, psychiatric disorders, neuropsychological deficits, as well as school and occupational difficulties. Most people with TSC suffer from one or several of these manifestations, and it's often one of the most impacting aspects of the disease for both children and adults. To try and better understand TAND, what parents, caregivers, and adults with TSC can do to address TAND, and what research is currently underway to learn more about these manifestations, I spoke to Dr. Beatrice DeVries, professor at the Sue Stringham Department of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at the University of Cape Town. Here's my conversation with Dr. DeVries. All right, we're now joined by Dr. Pietrus DeVries, he's Professor of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at the University of Cape Town. Dr. DeVries, thank you so much for talking to me today. Daniel, thank you for the invitation. Always happy to talk about TAND. So as you mentioned, we're here to talk about TAND. It's one of the more challenging aspects of TSC. To start, maybe you can give me an overview of what TAND is. Sure. And and maybe even before that, TAND is not just a complicated issue, but it is probably the most important issue for families who live with tuberous sclerosis. We, when we spoke to families and we've asked them about all the worries that they have about TSC, over and above seizures, over and above kidneys, over and above skin and all the other manifestations, people time and time over tell us that the things they're most worried about are all the learning problems, the behavioral difficulties, the autism, the sleep problems, etc., etc. And so the term TAND actually is an umbrella term that brings together all those kinds of worries. And TAND stands for TSC-associated neuropsychiatric disorders. And like you mentioned, there are different subsections to that umbrella term of TAND. I'm wondering if you can give me some examples of what you're talking about. Sure. And in fact, part of the reason why we came up with the word TAND is because we realized that many people around the world have been using different kinds of terminologies in different languages. You know, different doctors have used different terms and different families have used different terms. And so we actually grouped TAND under a number of different levels, as I say, in that umbrella. So the first level is what we call the behavioral level. So that's when we just talk about observed behavior. So it might be in TSC, people are very likely to have things like aggression or anxiety or depressed mood or sleep difficulties or language difficulties, difficulties with overactivity or impulsivity, etc. So there's a long list of possible things that can be problematic for families who live with with TSC at this behavioral level. At the next level, we call the psychiatric level. This is when specialists will say, are there enough of these kind of behavioral things for long enough, et cetera, using diagnostic systems to say, does somebody actually have a psychiatric disorder that's associated with TSC? And the main psychiatric disorders that we tend to see are two groups. The first group is what we call neurodevelopmental disorders and autism and autism spectrum disorders, 
It's the main one. Almost half of people with TSC have or meet criteria for an autism spectrum disorder. And the other main group there is ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is also very common in TSC, but highly underdiagnosed and undertreated. And the other psychiatric disorders that we very commonly see are anxiety disorders and depressive disorders. It's amazing when we think that even in adults with TSC who have completely normal intellectual ability, up to 60% of them might have an anxiety disorder, and most of them never receive a diagnosis or treatment for these things. So that's level two, the psychiatric disorder level. Level three is what we call the intellectual level. This is where we talk about somebody's intellectual ability, like your IQ. We all fall somewhere on an IQ distribution. And in TSC, many people have very significant disability in their intelligence. So they might have an actual intellectual disability. But of course, as you and everybody know, TSC is so variable that there are people who have incredibly high intellectual ability and people who have significant intellectual disability. But it's a very important level for us to think about. The next level down is the academic or scholastic level. This is how people do in their school work, reading, writing, spelling, and those kind of things. And that's a level also that often is forgotten, but most people, the majority of kids as they go through school, will have some difficulties in their scholastic or academic skills. Um, and they need some input from an academic point of view in from the school system, etc. The next level down is the neuropsychological level. So it's a little different from all the other ones because this is where we're talking specifically about your brain skills, like your attention skills in your brain and the memory skills of your brain and the executive skills of your brain, for instance. And we know that many people with TSC, even those who are super bright in many other ways, have specific difficulties often in either their memory or in attention or in their executive skills, like having to plan things and organize things and track what they're doing, et cetera, during daily life. And then the last level we refer to as the psychosocial level. This is when we're talking about the impact of a condition on people's lives. So how it makes you feel in terms of your self-esteem or the stress on families, the impact it has on relationships in the family and on siblings and on people in your community. And this is also a really important level that we realized we needed to put under this overall umbrella of TAT. So there you have it, the six levels, behavior, psychiatric, intellectual, academic, neuropsychological, and psychosocial. And would it be fair to say that a lot of people with TSC tend to suffer from multiple aspects of TAND, and then a lot of times they may be interrelated? Absolutely. And one of the things we always say about TAND and people with TSC is that everyone has a unique profile. So everybody has different possible combinations and severities of all or some of these different TAND manifestations. Most people will have something at some point in their life. And some people have many of these things. And of course, what also happens is the TAN, your TAN profile, the kinds of things that become problematic might also be different at different ages and stages throughout your life. So yes, you're absolutely right. At the same time that we say people are unique, that has also made it quite difficult in terms of finding support, finding just information and treatment to people, because often what happens is that many professionals would say, oh my goodness, this is so complicated, I don't know what to do. And the risk is that then nothing gets done. 
And I think that's been the experience of so many families and people who live with TSC, that they know that they've had so many of these 10 manifestations and that professionals have not really been able to know just how to help them with all these complexities. And so in beginning to understand TAND and the scope of TAND and how it affects each person individually, you've been really instrumental in advancing the TAND checklist. Can you tell me what the checklist is and how it should be used? Yeah. So the TAND checklist was very much born from discussions, work, focus group, research that we've been doing with people in the TSC community. And time and time again, families have told us, I know that I have these difficulties, but my clinicians and my physicians don't really know what it is and they don't know how to look for it. They don't know what to do about it. And so in 2012, when we actually revised the diagnostic and treatment criteria for TSC, we coined this term TAND. And people were very happy that we put all these things under an umbrella. But then the request from the TSC community was, well, can you give us a tool that might help us to at least screen for in a broad way, look for some of these difficulties. And that was why we came up with the 10 checklists. There are all sorts of checklists and things available in the literature, but nothing that would be specific to TSC, nothing that would really capture the full range of abilities, ages, and complications that we see in TSC. And so over a period of about 18 months, we developed the 10 checklist, very much in participation with people in the TSC community, families, doctors, other professionals, and we validated it. So we actually went back to people and said, is this the right stuff? Is it accurate? Is it clear? Etc. And so the time checklist was therefore published and it's available. It's free for anybody to download. I think it's easily available through the TS Alliance website as well. And it's this particular version of the TAN checklist is aimed at clinicians to help them have a conversation with somebody who lives with TSC or with a family who lives with TSC. So the idea is you should go to your physician or go to the clinic nurse or whoever it might be, somebody who knows about TSC. And that's a guide for them to have a conversation with you about your profile. And we go through exactly these sections of TAN that we've just talked about and ask people to say, have I had difficulties? Would I like to have some more support with it in a very systematic way? So that's the TAN checklist as it is at the moment. And that was the first step really that we took to try and make TAND a little bit more accessible and to reduce that gap between the needs of people who live with TSC and what actually happens in real life. You mentioned the 2012 consensus conference. What sorts of guidelines came out of that conference around the TAND checklist? How often should people be screening for TAND? So the first thing to say is that we were very pleased that there was an actual group for the neuropsychiatric manifestations. The previous guidelines came from 1998, and the voice of the neuropsychiatric and behavioral and psychiatric issues at the time was very small. We had a wonderful champion, a lady called Anne Hunt from the UK, um, who was really trying to promote the importance of these things. But it was very much, in a way, put in, in the small print of the documents in 1998. So number one, we were delighted that we were able to have a real section that could speak to these needs of TAND in people with TSC. And what we said, because it was a start, was at least every year, each person with TSC should be screened for TAN. And you could use something like the TAN checklist because that's a really useful, simple and free tool. And of course, every year, the reason for that is because your profile, as I've said, can change over time. And something that might not be a problem this year might be a problem next year or something that was difficult this year might not be a problem again next year. So 
annually is the main recommendation that we are making to people. And then, of course, if you see anything that's worrying, then next steps and much more detailed assessment should be done. Apart from screening with the TAN checklist or something like the TAN checklist, we have also in those 2012 guidelines suggested that every person with TSC should at regular time points, at kind of key developmental time points, have a comprehensive assessment. Now, that's a mouthful to say. So let me break that down a little bit. Firstly, we're saying that in the preschool, you know, the first three years of life when a child is born with TSC, families and physicians should really start to look for the things that might emerge early. Intellectual problems, developmental problems, autism, those kind of things. Because that will help us pick up those obvious neurodevelopmental or developmental difficulties early on so we can start to do something early on. Then in the preschool years, we really want every child to be assessed so that we can find out what will their profile of needs be for when they go into the primary school system. I know in the US you have kindergarten and all sorts of things like that. So what is this child's need so that when they go into K or into school, we know how to support them. Then in the early school years, we want to make sure we reevaluate children to start to pick up additional learning problems, things like ADHD, autism, if it hasn't been picked up, language disorders, other specific learning and scholastic issues, so that when they go to high school or secondary school, we all, again, know how to support them best in that setting. And then, of course, in teenage years, actually, is when most of the serious psychiatric problems like anxiety disorders and depressive disorders and so on are likely to manifest. So we also want to make sure during that time there's an evaluation very, very difficult time point for many people with TSC is really the transition into adult life. And so we therefore also suggested that in that first, you know, between the age of 18 and 25, we should really try to find a way to have a comprehensive assessment of every person with TSC's needs in terms of their daily life, in terms of their learning, in terms of their mental health, etc. Again, so that we know how to support them towards as independent a life as possible. So uh, something we hear a lot from the community is we've screened our child for TAND. We've gotten a good understanding of what specific challenges they have. Now what? Mm-hmm. Very good. So <laughs> my question to you is, you know, what treatments are currently available and what are the limitations of our current understanding of TAND? Well, the, the short answer is that there are basically no TSC-specific treatments for TAND, with the exception of somebody using mTOR inhibitors when their child has a TSC manifestation that meets criteria for that, like a brain tumor growing or kidney lesions or hard to treat epilepsy, but those fall outside TAND. So inside TAND at the moment, there's really nothing, nothing that's TSC-specific. And so the basic message we give to families and to physicians and other treating clinicians is to say, use the treatment guidelines for each of the individual TAN manifestations that are used for people who don't have TSC. So for instance, if your child is diagnosed with autism, use the autism guidelines, the autism treatments. In fact, there's good evidence that autism in TSC looks just like autism outside TSC, which suggests that the treatments for autism outside TSC should be just as helpful in TSC. Use the treatment guidelines for ADHD. Just think carefully about what might be the physical complications. Use the medications for anxiety and for depression. Use the talking treatments like cognitive behavioral therapy, etc. that we would use outside TSC 
even when somebody has TSE. So these are these are the types of comments and recommendations we give. And of course, what we would ideally like to do is to be able to have evidence-based interventions specifically to TSC. And the sad reality is that for none of these manifestations that we've talked about so far, we actually have TSC-specific evidence of what is the best thing to do, what's a less good thing to do. And so at the moment, we're really just basing it on opinion and consensus and general sense of interventions out there. So that's really been something that's worried us for a long time and that we wanted to see if we can at least take it a step further. Of course, it's going to take a long time and huge amounts of money to find proper evidence-based studies for all the possible manifestations of TAND. But we felt that at least two things were key in terms of thinking to next steps. One, we wanted to find a way to make all these, you remember we talked about this kind of unique profile of each person with TC, to make that a little bit more understandable and perhaps reduce the possible combinations that people might have with TSC. And secondly, we wanted to find a way of putting tools and power in the hands of families. And I'll come back to talk about the, the first one in a minute, but I travel around the world and meet families with TSC all over the world. And wherever you go, people say that it's hard for them to find clinicians, to find physicians, psychologists, psychiatrists, mental health professionals, educators, etc., who really have a way of understanding TSC well enough so that they can support families with TSC. And so we realized that we needed to find a strategy to put the power in the hands of families and of people who live with TSC. Um, so that was one goal that we had. We wanted to find ways of empowering individuals who live with TSC rather than to try and train the whole world of professionals out there before we come to families. And coming back then to the, to the earlier idea of how can we manage all this complexity of the uniqueness that we see in TSC, we actually performed a study in my former PhD student, Lauren Leclesio, who many of the people in the TSC community will remember, did a really, really nice study where she took data from 10 checklists from many hundreds of people all over the world, including in the USA, and actually used what we call data reduction, so kind of data management strategies. And what Lauren found was that even though we are all unique, the 10 manifestations we can reduce into about seven main clusters of difficulties. And so, as you can hear, it sounds much easier to say to somebody, you might have one of seven clusters of difficulties rather than to say you can have an impossible combination of difficulties. And so our thoughts for the next step, and we can maybe come on to talk about a project that we hopefully will start very, very soon, is to think how can we use these clusters that are now an easy way to group the difficulties we might have when we have TSC? And how can we use that to find and put together strategies that families can use in a way that will empower them to know at least how they can start the next step in terms of their journey with TAND? That's very exciting. You you started to allude to it, so I guess we can start talking about it. Later this year, you'll be convening a meeting to sort of kick off the Tandem project. And this meeting will bring experts from around the world together to start really planning how to develop those evidence-based guidelines. Can you tell me a little bit about the meeting and then the goal of the project as a whole? Sure. And everybody we talk to say, gosh, that sounds very ambitious. But I think by that, people mean it's very exciting and very important. Mm -hmm. So the Tandem project 
Tandem. We like the term Tandem. So it's Empowering Families Through Technology is the big title of the study. And it is the purpose of the study is for us to find a way of reducing the gap between the needs of people who live with TSC and then actually getting some support or intervention or next steps. So the project was funded by the Royal Belgian Foundation, the King Baudouin Foundation in Belgium. And it is indeed, as you say, a project with many, many participants. We deliberately wanted to use a strategy that would be collaborative and participatory. And for that reason, we have lots of family stakeholders and people with TSC who will be part of it. We have representatives from all over the world and all the regions of the world, so from South America and from Japan and from India and from Europe, etc. We deliberately have included technology stakeholders, and I'll tell you in a minute why technology stakeholders are so important. And then, of course, we have stakeholders from all the key nonprofit organizations for TSC, like the TS Alliance, TSCI, the Tuberous Association in the UK, etc. Um, so main funding from the King Bodevain Foundation. We also have some part funding from the the UK Tuberous Sclerosis Association. And of course, many organizations are so excited. In fact, everyone's so excited that hopefully we'll get lots of in-kind support from everyone around the world to do the project. The project has three main aims. The first aim is people have said it's good to have a, a checklist that we can use for clinicians, but it's hard for mums and dads and people sometimes to get to a physician or to somebody who has the time or the interest to do it with them. So the first thing we will do in our aim one is we're going to create a self-report, a self-completed version of that TAN checklist that we've developed a few years ago so that you at home, wherever you are, can fill in your own checklist. We're then going to build that checklist into a smartphone app so that you can actually sit at home and fill in your checklist on your phone at home. And as you fill in the checklist at the end of it, you can press the button and it will show you what your actual TAND cluster profile will look like. You can see how all the different bits of research that we've done over the years are coming together in the same. And then once we've developed the self-complete TAN checklist and put it in the app, we will also validate the information that we're getting against expert clinical data. And we will use two centers in the US, in Boston and in Cincinnati, where many families with TSC will go to. And we will compare the data from the app and the form that people fill in to the actual data that the neuropsychologists and the psychiatrists and the neurologists, etc., will have collected to make sure that what we see in the app and in the on the self-complete TAN checklist is just as valid. And if it's not, what we need to do to improve the validity of the checklist. So that's aim one. We're going to have a new checklist that people can fill in. We hope we'll have it on an app that will be easy to use. And we hope that we'll have a TAN checklist that will be valid against actual expert clinical data. Aim two now comes on to interventions and what can I do as somebody who lives with TSC or what can I do as a parent? And we're going to, given that, as I've said to you, we don't have any TSC-specific interventions, the first thing we're going to do, therefore, is we're going to bring together a large group of experts and we're going to come up with consensus clinical guidelines for interventions for for all those different clusters. We're going to get people from around the world come together and say, this will be useful as a first step. This will be useful to think about. Here's a good tool. Here's a good intervention. And we want to collate and put together all that information for families. And then once we've done that, we want to build that information 
into the app so that once you've pressed on the app to say, what's my profile? You can click on it again and it'll take you to, what can I do about this particular difficulty for myself or for my family member, or for my child? So that's aim two of the Tandem project. And then aim three is an aim that will run throughout the four years of the whole study. And that is, we are very keen to make sure that we are also building a next generation of TAN researchers in the TSC community. So we're specifically going to identify young people, early career people, and we will mentor them and train them and help them become more embedded in TSC research. And we're going to do lots of networking activities to connect people across the world who might be interested in TSC and specifically in TAN. We're also going to have some public engagement activities in different parts of the world, just to make sure that we keep telling people about TSC, that we keep telling people about TAN, that particularly that we make sure that people understand why TAN is so important in the lives of people and why also we should try to get more money to do research on these aspects of TAN that really have had very little research to date. So as part of the whole exercise, we will also want to come up with a future research document that'll identify where we already know things and where the gaps in research knowledge might be. So that is our four-year plan for the Tandem project. I hope it sounds interesting to you, Daniel. It sounds very interesting to me. It's it's a very exciting initiative. And I think giving families a tool where they can take control of learning about you know, what difficulties they or their families are having and find next tangible steps is going to be so incredibly impactful. Exactly. Yeah. And as I said, part of the excitement for us, and so this is, I should point out, this is a study that was, that the grant was awarded to me and Professor Anna Janssen, who's a pediatric neurologist in Brussels, Belgium. And so the two of us will together want to make sure that the study is done in a way that is very, and I used the word before earlier, participatory. In other words, we know the main goals that we want to achieve, but by bringing lots of people together, and we will be planning to have our launch meeting of the study in November in Belgium. And by bringing people together, we might get some amazing extra tips and information and suggestions. And throughout the whole four-year cycle of the project, we will keep on checking in with our stakeholder groups to make sure, does this look like the right thing? Does it look as though we're heading in the right direction with the app? Is this the sort of information? Is this the way that we should present it, etc.? And I think that makes it an even more powerful project than just something that a group of academics might sit in an office somewhere and do without actually being part of the community and making the community part of the active research participation. I think that participation element of it is so exciting. Will the app be available for everyone to start using? Well, starting out, we will obviously have, you know, people use different terms like a prototype app or a beta version of an app, and that will probably only be used by people in the study. But the goal of the overall project is that by year four, we want to have completed most of our pilot work and data collection and building of things. And then one of our explicit aims is to come together to say, if we now have a tool, a checklist, an app, information, data, etc., that will be useful to everyone in the world, how do we build strategies to do what we call scale up and scale out? So scaling up would mean to make it available to everybody in the US. For mm-hmm. instance. And scale out would mean how do we make it available to everyone in the rest of the world? Because the needs of people with TCR are the same. And so from the outset, we want to imagine that maybe you, know, you can go into the app, select your language, and you can fill in that 10 checklist in English or German or Spanish or Portuguese or 
Korean or Japanese or whatever language it might be. Of course, what that would mean for us as we get towards year four of the study is we will also need to look for people who might want to join in terms of funding the project in the longer term. The four years of funding we have is to develop this thing and to get it started. And then the key will be to do it and to keep doing it in a sustainable way and in a way that we can scale it up throughout the world. But imagine that we can do that. It really has the potential of being a a simple but incredibly powerful tool for everyone in the TSC community. Yeah, it absolutely has the potential to be a game changer. My last question for you then is at the end of these four years, and hopefully there's funding after that to continue the work, but where what is your hope? Like, where would you like to be in both our understanding of TAND and the options available for those affected by TAND? So I hope that by the end of our four years, we will have identified passionate people in the TSC community who have some money who would help us scale this thing up. And I know that there are people who might be able to help us. So I think part of our task of all of us is to find the right partners in terms of a future step. The excitement that we will have is we will by then have a tool that will be able to collect on an ongoing basis real-life data about people who live with TSC and TAND. And it will give us incredible opportunities to start doing what people now call you know, big data-based research. So we can have a database of TAND-related information that can grow and grow, and that that becomes what I might call as an impact loop, that the more data we have, the more we can use those data to ask new questions and find new answers in the TSC domain, particularly related to TAND. And one of the express goals of our studies to make the data available to the TSC research community so that we can keep that loop alive and so that it's not just a study that gets closed off and put in somebody's drawer at the end of the four years. So we really want this to be something that will continue to grow. I hope that through the process, we will also, A, have brought together many, if not most of the key people who are passionate and interested in taking the field of TAN research forward so that I and the rest of us old TAN researchers can retire and can watch all the young guys and girls take over it. And hopefully we will have at least paved the way in terms of creating a framework of where the priority areas for next step research might be, where the areas are where we already know quite a bit, where the areas are where we really know nothing and we need to pursue that. I also hope that through that process, it will also then guide funders to say, we really need to invest more in terms of, let's say, for instance, talking treatment research in TAND or pharmacological research in this particular aspect of TAND. And I think the last thing that we really hope that by in four or five years' time through this project, because it is quite creative and we really have tried to think about outside the box, that we might also generate interest from people outside the TSC community, both researchers, clinicians, and funders, because I really think that TSC and TAND can be used as a model for so many other rare diseases, complex diseases, conditions where it's hard for families to get access to expert information, data, and intervention. So it really is a prototype, not just for TSC and for the TSC community, but I think it could be a prototype for so many other difficulties that we often see in mental health in rare conditions where people live with something that very few people around them actually have expertise in. Wow, that would be really incredible. But just know that we're not ready for you to retire just yet. So (laughs) just a few more years. 
<laughs> Thank Thanks. you so much for taking today to talk to me about the Tandem Project. We're all so excited here for it to launch and for it to get rolling. And thank you for all the hard work you've put in throughout your career to help us understand Tandem. It's such a impactful manifestation that isn't talked about enough. And so shedding a light on it and helping us better get a grasp of what it is and how we can intervene is so impactful. So thank you. Yeah, great. And and that's why I love the term tandem, because the work I do and the work we do is something that only works when we do it with other people, when we do it in tandem with other people. And so I think both this project, but also the whole needs in our TSC communities to find ways of working with one another and with colleagues and with families and with all the other stakeholders in order to find good solutions for all the challenges that we have. My thanks again to Dr. Beatrice DeVries. I'll include a link to the TAN checklist as well as information about the Tandem project in the show description for this episode. The TS Alliance knows the burden that TAN places on families affected by TSC. And this year, we launched our TAN initiative to move research on TAN forward while providing resources for families to help cope with these manifestations. Stay tuned on social media for updates on this initiative in the months ahead, including an update from the Tandem kickoff meeting in Belgium in November. Thank you again for listening to TSC Now. If you'd like to help the show, please go rate it five stars wherever you listen, and share it on social media using the hashtag TSCNow and tagging the TS Alliance. This really increases the exposure of this podcast and helps us reach even more people affected by TSC. See you next time. Thank you for listening to TSC Now. Our theme song is Take Charge by Young Presidents. You can find all our episodes at tsalliance.org slash TSCNow. Thanks for listening.